let's do this. Let me give you key point number one. If you desire to know the presence of God in your life, it is preceded by the expectation of his arrival. Genesis 18, let's pick up verse one. The Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees. This is like oak trees by Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Again, if you desire to know the presence of God in your life, it is preceded by the expectation of his arrival. If we want to see Christ do something in, in, in your life, if I want to see it happen in, in my life, it's so important that I begin with the, this expectation that God is going to do something. If we're going to have communion with God, then we should desire and pray for that communion. We should desire and pray for a communion with him. And that next verse, verse 9 that I mentioned just a moment ago, is going to introduce the first of two reasons that Jesus made this appearance. It also supports the idea, like I said, that Abraham knew who his guests were. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So Abraham said, here in the tent. Now, it's so important that we recognize what's going on here. Jesus asked questions, and he did this, he did this to the Pharisees too, right? He would ask questions he already knew the answers to. He asked, the, he asked did the same thing with Adam. He's, you know, like, Adam, where are you? You know the answer to that. Abraham, where's your wife, Sarah? Well, you know the answer to that. He did the same thing over and over. Jesus, this is Jesus' way of engaging. But what happens here with that transitional statement, we begin to see the two reasons that Jesus made his appearance in chapter 18. The first one is for Sarah. She is the whole purpose, uh, the, the initial purpose of his coming. So let me, let me give you key point number two, and then we'll unpack this. When we entertain the presence of Christ in our life, he will strengthen our faith. Let's pick back up verse 9. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he, this is Christ, said, 
I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Then there's this parenthetical insert. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Picking up in the next verse. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is there nothing too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he, the Christ, said, No, but you did laugh. And then we have this strange transition. It goes for, it shifts focus. But the Lord had already made the promise to, the, to, to Abraham. The promise that he would have a son. In fact, he had not only made this promise, as we have seen, he made this promise, has made a covenant, and he even told him the name of this son, and that this son, his name would be Isaac, and that he would be the product of the union of Abraham and Sarah. So the purpose of this visit is twofold. And the first was for Sarah. He makes the promise again. But this time it's not for Abraham's benefit. He's already made the promise. Abraham has already had his own encounter. Abraham has already come to understand this is going to happen. So the purpose here is to encourage Sarah and her faith and help her get to the same place where Abraham already is at. So he makes the promise. He makes the promise that I will return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Verse 10. But if you'll look down at verse 14... He asks this question after, after Sarah has this moment of, of doubt. Is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? What? I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. He's repeated the promise now. Anytime you see repetition in Scripture, you should perk up. Be aware of it. Even if it's just once or, tw- or even if it's you know, one repeat of something or a couple of times that it's repeating it. But Sarah thinks the news is just simply too good to be true. And notice this, that she begins to laugh within herself. This it seems to be that this is not even an audible laugh. This is possibly something that no one else heard. This seems to be something that Abraham did not hear, nor would any of the the servants, nor would perhaps even the angels that were with Jesus. 
it seems as though that the only person who heard this was Jesus. But notice, though, that it wasn't the same type of laughter that's actually found in the previous chapter. In chapter 17, verse 17, Abraham laughs, but his is an out loud, joyful, this is, this is incredible type laugh. Not one of, of doubt that Sarah is experiencing. But notice what she does. She denies it. I didn't laugh because she was afraid. Oh, but you did. Listen, sometimes our faith is strengthened when our doubt is challenged. Sometimes our faith is strengthened when our doubt is challenged. In other words, we're not hiding anything from God. If we think that we can hide our doubts, if we think that we can hide our lack of faith from the Lord, then we're mistaken. We have to be transparent. We have to be honest with the Lord. Recognize that we can't hide from him even if we just laugh on the inside. He knows it. He's aware of it. He's fully aware of it. We're not hiding from him. So if we come to grips with the idea that we have to be honest with the Lord, we have to be transparent with him, then that is the beginning point of strengthening our faith. So the purpose of this visit, I think the entire purpose of the visit was to strengthen Sarah's faith. They had already met with Abraham. He was committed. We know that with the, with the animal sacrifices, the circumcision thing. And this visit was for the purpose of strengthening her faith. Now, why do I say that? We talk about in hermeneutics, we talk about this idea of looking for repetition in Scripture. When you see repetition in the Hebrew, especially in the Old Testament, repetition means emphasis. In our English language, for example, in our English language, we say you can never use a double negative, right? You say no, no, it means what? It, it's actually affirmative. It cancels the previous no. In Hebrew, the no and the secondary no would have amplified the first, not canceled it. So in English, we, it cancels it. In Hebrew, it's like amplifying it. So every single time you see something repeated in Scripture, it's going to be, it's going to be hey, pay attention to this. Well, this other hermeneutic is not just looking for repetition, but now what we want to do is we want to widen the lens. We've seen the context of Genesis 18. We've seen it in its context of recognizing Genesis 17, 16, 15, the other things that concern Abraham. But as you get farther out, you ask yourself, what does the whole of Scripture say? Does, is there anything else in Scripture that addresses this? Well, there is. In Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, here's what it says. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him, meaning Christ, faithful 
who had promised. Hmm. That is fascinating to me because here in Hebrews chapter 11, they're not beating up on Sarah for the laughter. She makes it into chapter 11, this hall of faith heroes. She makes it into chapter 11 listed among people who have demonstrated great faith. So what happened? Jesus appeared because Abraham was already there. Abraham was already committed. Abraham had demonstrated his commitment. Sarah was not yet where Abraham was. Jesus shows up, says, hey, by the way, where's Sarah? She's in the tent. Jesus goes, all right, just want you and everybody to know I'm saying this for her benefit. Right? What? And then he says the same thing he's already said to Abraham. But this time he's making sure Sarah hears it. This time he makes sure she hears it. Why? To strengthen her faith. If we entertain the presence of Christ in our life, he will strengthen our faith. If we are weak in our faith, then if we can just say, Lord, I need communion with you. I need some time to hang out with you. I need some time in Scripture where you can speak to me. And I need you to to strengthen my faith because right now I'm weak. Right now I'm laughing on the inside. Right now I need your strength to sustain me. When doubt creeps into your life, Christ will be the one to strengthen your faith. And we must be honest with the Lord and not attempt to hide from Him. Our transparency and honesty with the Lord, that's going to be a major, major role in our faith being strengthened. 